Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. We have got right here in the Powerhouse Politics studio a very special guest, longtime friend of the program, uh, Governor John Kasich, uh, former presidential candidate, truth teller. Here you are. I'm here. All right. Thank you for joining us, Governor. Um, appreciate it. You know, you and I go back a long, we do. long way. Back uh, before you were... Before I was officially a journalist, I before think. Before you were yes. really, you know, and you've, uh, you know, you and I have kind of really in some respects grown up together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like you, but I, I really like your family, too. You have a great... <laughs> it's well, great. thank you. Thank you. Well, they, they, they like you. So let me, let me ask you... Um, I, I know that you've uh, you've been thinking a lot about uh, the impeachment process, and uh, I know you you were I heard you talking earlier today about what you saw at the Mick, you know Mick Mulvaney's press conference, and, and um, you were the one that asked the crucial question too. Yeah, and, and keep in mind the question I asked was just why did you withhold aid, and um, and and his answer was I thought uh, incredibly candid and honest, and then when it was all over, he took it back. Um, but he said what he said, and, and, and it wasn't a misconstrued comment. It was a very clear comment. But I wanted to ask you the, the big question, because I remember talking to you in 1998 when the House was voting uh, to impeach uh, Bill Clinton. And um, you were I, – I recall you took that vote very seriously. You voted yes uh, to, to in, impeach Bill Clinton. But, but I, I sensed that even though you were a Republican, the overwhelming you know Republicans were voting for that. It, it, it was something that you took very, very well, seriously. Well, it was hard. In fact, I can remember – uh, being in Columbus in my hometown of Westerville on a Saturday morning with one of my dearest and closest friends sitting out on his uh, balcony and having a cup of coffee and really painstakingly walking through uh, the decision that I had to make. And he listened to me and would probe me and there was no joy in that. There was no vengeance in that. I, But, you know, I felt that I had to do what I had to do. And so I voted that way, and, you know, it's, uh, it was okay. I mean, it was but an ugly time for him, for his family, for our country. It, it, it was, and it was, uh, it was not an entirely party-line vote on impeachment, but it was close. Uh, there weren't a lot of uh, Democrats who, who were on board, and, and obviously after that vote, I remember the, uh, the Demo- most of the Democratic uh, caucus uh, running down to the White House to have an odd celebration on the South Lawn. Um, but here we are today, and the question to you is, Representative John Kasich, uh, Republican of Ohio, how does he vote on this one? Well, I, I, I would vote to do it. I mean, as I announced earlier today, um, again, it's very, very difficult when you begin to think about are you going to vote to move a process forward in a trial that could remove a duly elected president? It's it's just really, really hard. And I've been struggling with it. I mean, the fact that we needed an impeachment inquiry was a piece of cake for me. Of course we needed to investigate this. And why? Because presidents should not be using their office uh, or the opportunity to advance some necessary Necessary, necessary military aid to a country that is really struggling to get in the West orbit like Ukraine is and has been. And I just – I thought it was absolutely improper for a president to, to try to 
suggest anything that you might not get something. I didn't really see the quid pro quo at the time, but with Mulvaney, I hate to even put him on it, but with the chief of staff saying what he said and compounded by so many other things, the testimony of of uh, Sodlin, the text messages between him and Taylor and Volcker, uh, the, the shadow government that appears to have been operating over in Ukraine, uh, a testimony of so many people has just moved me. But it was the the final, the final, final act was Mulvaney saying, yes, we did withhold this aid because we wanted this investigation done about the 2016 election. I have no problem with the president of the United States withholding aid if it's related to policy. But to withhold aid uh, because you want some political operation to occur – I just think is dead wrong, and it, it just goes too far for me. So if I were in the House, I would vote to impeach. Governor, you know a lot of uh, a lot of the members of the House. You know a lot of United States senators on the Republican side right now for impeachment, almost none, uh, none in the Senate that we know of. Um, scattered one, maybe a former, a former Republican who's now an independent, uh, saying he'd at least support the inquiry. What, to your mind, has to change for your colleagues to be able to say that on the record? Is there a breaking point? Has it been reached and we just don't see it yet? Or is there something else that you feel like has to happen to free politically uh, some of your former colleagues and friends to say what you just said? Well, I, I think First of all, I've not been happy with the way the Democrats have conducted this. To me, I don't understand – well, I do understand why there hasn't been a vote in the full House on an impeachment inquiry. There was a enlightened article in the New York Times, I believe, yesterday saying that members had come back and said, please don't make us vote. Now, that's political. And when you're going about impeaching a president, investigating a president, we don't have time for politics. And look, you know – Nobody's pure in this business. But to me, they need to have a vote, and it needs to be out there so the public can see what's going on. On the Republican side, they just want to whistle past the graveyard. They just don't want to have to deal with this because they go home, they get threatened with primaries, they get attacked. I mean, I understand that. Um, But you know what? That's life. I mean, listen, I won't go unscathed because of what I've said. But I can't believe that they haven't said there should at least be an inquiry. I can't believe they haven't said what the president did was wrong. And you might remember, John, when we go back into 98 and they said, well, this is all about sex and that should have known, but nobody seemed to remember the grand jury testimony. So what I would say is that, you know, everybody falls short when it comes to these issues. And as tribalism becomes more and more dominant, then you have a harder and harder time being able to move members of a party uh, you know, members of a party whose members being investigated than you would uh, in normal times. And I know you've got a new book out. Uh, it's up to us that tries to empower people to take change into their own hands. I, applying that lesson to current members of Congress, how how fearful do you feel like they are or they should be, not just about what the president did in the past, but about where things are headed, what he might do in the future? Is that a factor in, in an impeachment vote thinking not just about what happened in the past, but what might happen, it's particularly when you look at what's going on in Syria now. I, I think it should be limited. I, I don't buy that we should just keep going farther and farther and bringing in a Syria policy, which makes no sense. I, I don't agree with that. But I think what a member has to ask themselves is, why am I here? Okay, so Republicans are wearing red. Democrats are wearing blue. Why don't we wear red, white, and blue? I mean, that's why we're there, to serve the country. And 
you got to look back. You know, uh, John and I, we said, have a long history together. We both know that you're going to look back on what you did in your life, and you're going to have to decide whether you – how you conducted yourself. Is there something you did or didn't do that you regret? I don't have any regrets in my political career at all. But, you know, what I would say, uh, kind of like in regard to this book, is that we – all of us have certain gifts. They're unique to us, and we need to use them. And um, these people that are in public life, they have unique gifts – you should use those gifts, and sometimes it's speaking out. But look, I, I can't get in their heads, and they don't want a lecture from me. That doesn't doesn't uh, it doesn't help anybody. But I I think what the reason why I spoke out is that I wanted people to understand the nature of this and why it matters. Um, and in regard to our country, we want to bring the people along to some degree. You don't want to have this just as great division. And people, I think, have to also realize they've got to get out of their own silos. They've got to consider what other people say and not just dismiss things. Because everyone, I believe, is made in the image of the Lord, and everybody deserves respect. So I, I think the other thing that we've seen this week, in addition to uh, Mulvaney's extraordinary comments, uh, the Sondland testimony, uh, the, the president's actions on – Syria um, that, that, that completely rattled Republicans. Uh, I mean, they may not be rattled what they saw on the, on the Ukra- heard on the Ukrainian call, uh, but but this is this is rattled. This I think it's been relatively easy for them, however, um, because they're there in numbers. They're there in great numbers to say how crazy this policy was. Right, made it easy for them to speak out, and maybe to some degree they were like, "Yeah, I can feel like I can speak out on this because I haven't been able on... to speak out on anything else." I, I mean, I can't read their minds, but it, it just kind of occurs to me. But it was the Admiral McRaven uh, op-ed in, in the New York Times. And, and as you know, he is a widely respected uh, special operator. I mean, one of, one of the true, um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the most respected, I think, retired military officers in, in America. And to hear him come out and come up with basically the same thing that you have said um, and, and say that, I mean, he, he goes even further. He says that, that President Trump should be removed from office. Um, I just wonder at what point, and this is a variation of what Rick asked you, at what point um, do, do the Republicans that have been essentially lockstep with the president, except like you said, when there are things where they can all go out at once and nobody's really showing any you know, individual courage because it's, 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 it's uh, okay, we all disagree with that policy, but then they jump back in, in, in line. When, 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 does that, when does that change? When do Republicans say, do we want Donald Trump to be the face of this party going into this next election, and should he win the face of the party for another four years? Well, John, you've watched this for a long time. Um, I don't think that's the issue. Uh, I don't think it's about the face of the party. It's about how we want our leaders to operate as the leader of the country. I think that Republicans will begin to speak out when the people at home tell them to. I mean, you tell me. They're not speaking out because they don't want any trouble. They don't want any hassles. I ran into a congressman in the airport today. He looked at me. He goes, do I know you? And I said, I don't know. Well, who are you? I said, I'm John Kasich. Oh, and he said, uh, yeah, I'm a congressman. He had his big pin on and all that stuff. And uh, and uh, when I looked at him and walked away with a buddy of mine, there's no chance that guy wants to take on any trouble. You could just see it, you know, because – Life is good. I'm a congressman. I go home. I get, you know, I'm going to win again. And I'm, you know, this is, it, it just, it, 
I think, John, look, it's natural to human beings to want to be, you know, want to be important. I mean, how, you know, think about if you were just to walk out of ABC and just say, well, okay, I'm not going to be here anymore. It's hard for people to leave those, to leave the ship that they're on. You know, it's hard for them. But that doesn't mean that over time they would they will be unwilling to, to do it because I happen to believe in the human spirit. It's just we're not seeing a lot of spirit right now, So, so in my opinion. So, Rick, this is what, what, I, I, let me just ask you then. The, the, it's assumed the House will vote to impeach the president. The votes will be there. It will be largely party line. Maybe a few of the retiring Republicans, you know, uh, uh, vote yes. I mean, maybe a handful. Uh, so you, you have a Senate trial. Mick, Mitch McConnell has said there will be a trial. He's made it clear it's not going to be a quick motion to dismiss either. It's going to be a real trial. And the, the, the conventional wisdom is that when that's done, you know, it'll be what we saw essentially, maybe with the exception of no Arlen Specter around to vote Scottish law. It'll be a party line vote. He'll be acquitted and then we move on. But do you see a scenario that Republicans actually vote to remove this president from office? You I, I'm, I'm not a – the fortune teller. I, I don't know. But that's why this investigation should be completed and it should be out there for the public to understand. And uh, that's how I feel about it. Well, I, what, I, what do you say to those who say, look, well, this is all a waste of time because it's obvious that the Senate's not going to vote? Well, to, uh, I, you can't. Uh, no, but <laughs> you, there is nothing we can do today to predict the future in this town. I'm not sure it was ever. Look, the reason why people love politics is because it's so unpredictable. Well, you so, knew Clinton was going to get acquitted. That wasn't the issue for me. The yeah. issue wasn't is he acquitted or not. I mean, you didn't don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I I'm not willing to to predict. You're this talking is sort of a boring podcast interview. I should be making all kinds of predictions, but I, I can't. <laughs> well, I'm not Yogi Berra said predictions are very hard, especially about the future. Yeah, you know, exactly, like, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so taking this out of the realm of predictions, what would you like to see happen in terms of the political calendar? In the same vein that you're talking about now. When you, when you talk about the need for people to step up, Republican primary voters are going to have an opportunity to renominate or not renominate this president long before the country would get a choice on whether to give him another four years or not. There are a number of sm- smaller name, let me say, Republican candidates for president right now. None of them are really breaking through. Uh, you give it a spirited go last time. What do you think should happen in terms of a Republican primary if indeed President Trump runs for reelection as president? Well, I mean, if somebody wants to run in the primary, that's fine. I mean, they're canceling primaries in some of these states. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't I, I don't care, really, to tell you the truth, exactly what's going to happen in these primaries. There's nobody out there. Right now, he's got, you know, 80, 85 percent support. That's today. Let's see what happens. Let's see where this goes. You know, I'm yeah, speculation is not something I I, I, I don't like speculation. Why is I, he? I, I like to say solid things, and you're asking me to predict the future again. I mean, how would it? Well, I don't know. He was taking it. I heard him said it was out of the realm. Out of the of realm of hypothetical. Well, well, let me let me. Well, I, it, well I, he may have said that. You know, it doesn't count. And Mulvaney said, "Well, I didn't say what I said, <laughs> so I, I have a right to judge okay, what I heard." All right, all right. Yeah. So, th- does this only move then? If I, I, what are we talking about here? The issue is this: Look, we're going to go through this impeachment. There, I believe the House will probably, in all probability, will move. I don't think they should be any hur- in any hurry. I think they ought to do their job the right way um, and and see what happens. I mean, look, I, see, to me, everything isn't a game for me. This is like this is our country. There's an investigation. Do it right. You shouldn't have some calendar. You shouldn't worry that you're going to put your vulnerable members at risk. Tough. 
If you can't do that, then just shouldn't have started this thing. Okay, plain and simple. Then there's going to be primaries. And we don't know who the Democrats are going to pick. They probably, the way it's going right now, they're going hard left, which means they can't win. And we don't know what's going to happen with him and the primaries. And we just have to wait and see. Um, but he's, I don't see him losing any primaries today. So if you said, how, how would it be if it was the election was tomorrow? I could predict tomorrow. He would win. Let me ask you then, yeah, but how's that for a bold statement? But by the way, is that, you're actually saying something here, which is you're saying is don't assume that this, that this set of facts is going to be the same, even coming up. You mean in, in terms spring. of impeachment? Yeah, impeachment. And, and oh, in terms listen, of, we got a long way to go in yeah. this. There's I so mean, many. We haven't even heard from these whistleblowers or anybody else. We don't know what's going to come. I mean, I've, I've just arrived at the decision that I've arrived at because of based on the things that I have been concerned about studying this every day for as long as this has been around, and I've now concluded there was a quid pro quo that was absolutely unacceptable. But that's me today. There's going to be lots of hearings that are going to continue, more witnesses. Who knows what's going to come out? Every day there's another, I mean, almost another bombshell. So I I can't predict what's going to happen uh, next week, let alone well today, I guess they're gone today. But next week, who knows what's going to happen? So let me ask you about something that happened earlier in the week. All the Democratic candidates were in your hometown of Westerville, Ohio, for a Democratic debate. Uh, I assume you watched it because it was I on did CNN. not. It was on CNN. You're going to. I didn't watch the it. debate. I hope I'm your contract is enough for renewal. <laughs> wow. Talk, talk to me <laughs> did about you, did my see any book. Clips? Did you see any clips? I, you, well, you know what? I read about it. You know what? You all said, "Well, nothing ever happened. It was so boring." You know, I hate these debates. Because I think they're a silly way to pick a president. So how would you pick a president? I'd have somebody like you, John, sit down and grill somebody for a half an hour and uh, several times and let people get the, the measure of the person. That's what I would do. You, can't, you, you want to pick a president based on these sound bites. I mean, that's what we're doing. I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, 12 people on a stage is absurd. Well, okay, so there were six people on a stage. Would yeah. that make you feel better? I mean, why don't I just get, you, get in a room with you and then you can question me? And you can really put it to me, and then people can watch and decide, is that a leader? I mean, uh, this, this I'll whole sign thing, up. Yeah, I'll sure. sign up. Yeah, we'll, Let's we'll, do it. We'll, well, we'll that's do it. how I – but we're not going there. And so these debates are pushing everybody to extremes or come up with a snarky answer. And it's just it's, – it's just, you know, what's there to watch? And you must have a pretty boring life. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Trust His job, me. he actually has to watch these things. I, I, listen, I, mean, I, went to to the, I went to the baseball, the baseball game. game. Look, I, mean. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be in my hometown for that debate. Of course I did. Uh, but I couldn't because I was on the road. And it was ironic. You know, I didn't go to the convention in Cleveland when they picked Trump. And I, I wasn't in my own home when they were there debating. I, it's like I can never get to the right place at the right time anymore. I don't know what's the problem, you know. Well, but, your hometown came off very well, but you you mentioned though this this move to the left that you see among Democrats is that a recipe for for losing? Is that part of your calculation? Say Trump? Yeah, I tomorrow? don't think people look. Let's just take let's just take the issue of health care. So you guys get health care from ABC, I think, right? Don't yeah, you? Disney. Okay, I'm going to take it away from you, but don't worry, I'm going to give you a government program. How you feel about that? I mean, you can answer the question. I mean, well, it's no, not, because, no, I, because it's no, a political it's, issue. It's a, it's a, no, it is. No, it I won't is. let him answer. I'm not going to go there, but I take your point. I, I understand where you're going. Well, why it. couldn't you answer that? Why are you asking me all these questions? You can't say whether you want to give up your private health insurance. Of course you don't want to give it up. It is a, it's a, it is you're a political You go home and tell your spouse that you're going to give up the health care and wait. Well, don't worry. The government will give us a great one. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, you know, when, when you're in and you're going to punish the successful, we're going to have all this wealth tax on it, or we're going to go and break into your house and take your guns. Are you kidding me? 
You were in Westerville. You shouldn't walked knocked on doors over there. Those people aren't for that. So who does, I who believe does John Kasich vote for him when he goes in and it's Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump. Well, first of all, I wouldn't presume it's Elizabeth Warren. I'm not presuming anything. I'm asking you yeah. if that's the situation. I'm not answering questions about how I'm going to vote for. The last time I voted for John McCain, I didn't vote for any of the choices. So I might write you in. Okay. Okay? You're, you're that <laughs> oh, kind of guy. This is where it begins. Uh, Carl 2020. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I can tell you that folks are – you know what they really want to know? I, I, let's talk seriously here for a second except for his candidacy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's take me. I it costs me and for me to cover myself and my family thirty thousand dollars a year. Then for my family, for my two daughters and my wife, they have a five thousand dollar limit on deductibles and copayments. That's another fifteen thousand if everything goes terrible, right? We're now at forty five thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't know how anybody how does anybody pay for it? They say that you know fifty percent of the country can't even match up to a four hundred dollar emergency. I don't know if that number's true, right? Yeah. But how do you do that? So there has to be an answer to that, and it isn't that we're going to take your insurance away. It's got to pay for performance. We got to reward people who do a great job of keeping you healthy, rather than this current system we have. It doesn't work. What are we going to do about the fact that I've got a job, but it's AI? All this stuff I don't understand is coming. They tell me I'm going to lose my job. Now what? Or my kid wants to go to college. How, he or she? How are they going to pay for this stuff? These are the things that people care about. That's what they care about. And you care about and a little bit about you know this scandal and Trump and all that. But that's not how they're going to decide. So if you want, I didn't see the debate, but um, but I, I mean, those are the things I'd be talking about. Of course, I talked about those when I ran, and I didn't win. You won Ohio, so um, let me um, let me just. I know you have to go, so I I, I want a last question for you, and you know, working working something on the book. Give us a big pitch for the no, book. No, I want to. I, I, end, be, okay? Before you ask the question, okay. let me just tell you yes. about this book. Okay, go for ahead. People yeah. who are wringing their hands and they're frustrated. You know, and I know you're worried about the election. Fine, but don't sit around waiting for an election and don't think whoever gets elected is going to fix all of our problems. I mean, the presidential election really matters. But you look at these congressional elections and and legislative directions, it's like meet the new boss, same as the old boss. So the question is for all of us, why don't we take our power back? Why don't we realize we have an obligation to live a life a little bigger than ourselves? Let's on a global scale, you got Greta Thunberg. I mean, she stands outside the parliament with a sign and she starts a, a, a global movement just by standing there with a sign, right? Or you can take people in the neighborhoods. You know, this shoe shine guy I knew, he, uh, he shined shoes and, put his, and saved his tips. He dropped out of school in the eighth grade. He donated over $200,000 to people who couldn't pay their kids' uh, medical bills in, in the children's hospital. You don't have to, you know, Martin Luther King said, if you can't do big things, do li- little things in a big way. That's what will heal our country. Slow your life down. Get out of your silo. Think about what you can do to connect with others. Treat others with respect and and live a life bigger than yourself. And don't wait till the end of the fourth quarter like the Redskins do to move the ball down the field. Start moving it down the field when you are young. And if you are now a senior, get about it because your life doesn't end because you're now older. And that's how we'll knit the country together. Final, on the political front on this, Civil rights, bottom up. Kennedy didn't even want to have a good meeting with Martin Luther King. Women's suffrage, bottom up. Uh, Ending the Vietnam War, bottom up. 
Gun control, bottom-up. Look at the Parkland kids and how they demanded and changed Florida. Bottom-up, climate change. Big things come when people say they've had enough and go do something. That is how America works, not top-down, bottom-up. Well, it's, it's a powerful message. I, I, I have to ask you before we go, um, which is going to be sound entirely contrary to everything you just said and makes me feel like I shouldn't even ask it, but I'm going to. Yeah. What about you? Are you done with politics? Are we? Do, do, do you jump in this thing at some point? I know you've... you've well, I'm not you, going to run again for president unless I can win. You know, okay. 2000, where you, you met me and all that, that yeah. wasn't a serious endeavor. Mm-hmm. But the last one in 16 was extremely serious. Mm-hmm. Um I don't want to. Run, I don't want to be in the United States Senate or Congress or any. I, I have no interest in that. The only thing I really have an interest in is president, and I see no path at this point in time. What will the fe- future mean? Who knows? Who knows? You know, I'm younger. I'll be younger when when the next election comes around than all these top front runners running. Hey, for at president this point, today. Man, you can you, you got yeah. a long way to go. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know what that's going to be. But John. Um, you know, really an interesting question is, can somebody who doesn't hold public office have a big enough voice to move the public? Is there a way to do it? And I think here, because of podcasts and because of YouTube and because of, of television and, and uh, you know, the developments in television and how we package things, I mean, is there a way uh, for people to have a big voice? You know, I have over a million followers on Twitter. Can I build that? I think that our voices matter, and um, we'll see. All of my options are on the table. All right. Well, John Kasich, you're always welcome back here at Powerhouse Politics. Thank you for taking time to talk to us. It's up to us. Ten little ways you can bring about big change. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Governor. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And that is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. We'll be back next week.